Hey y'all, welcome back to the Life Lab Podcast, quarantine broadcast, episode three. We hope you guys are being safe out there, practicing your social distancing, um, and overall maintaining and managing at, at home okay. In today's episode, Everett and I talked about uh, a bunch of random stuff. We were all over the board. We talked about uh, neuromuscular training, um, building on that from strength and then to power. We talked about how COVID-19 is affecting businesses of all types. We talked about the art of conversation and specifically how to have a civil conversation with someone who disagrees with you. And we talk about coronavirus haircuts as well. We hope you guys enjoy. I guess, yeah, we're live now, but uh, I, I think... Welcome, everyone. I think there's definitely... Yeah, welcome, everyone. I think we're talking about some uh, fitness and if it's worth it to just, just run or if it's worth it to mix in weights because working at home is so hard to be in a specific routine. I, I think whatever you do, it's it's just being consistent. So I, I think that's just the most important thing. I've been... I've been, and I think we have this on the topic of, of wanting to talk about some of the things that I've been doing from a workout perspective, uh, focusing on like neuromuscular training, um, which is basically you're training your body to, uh, connect your mind to your muscles. And it basically allows your body to move way more efficiently. So I've been, I've been continuing to do that while being at home because I don't need weights actually um, for for that specific thing. I do use weights still. Well, I, I we just have like the elastic bands, and we have like a fifteen pound kettlebell. So I do some some workouts with that. But um, I'll kind of go into what I've been doing from a workout perspective and why I think it's made me a lot more athletic in the last like four to five years than I feel like I ever have been. Um, And so basically I paid for this program and it's called load explode by this guy, Jason glass, who's like a top fitness trainer in rotational athletes. So that could be anything from uh, golf to football to tennis, uh, baseball, anything where you're like rotating your body, which is like a lot, uh, a lot of sports, obviously. And so basically start specifically a trainer for rotational performance athletes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like one of the top trainers for the Titleist performance Institute, which is Titleist, which is a golf, which is like one of the biggest golf brands. They basically came up with a fitness performance center where they track all sorts of data and then they understand a lot more about the golf swing and how training your body to become more efficient with your body translates into power and better swing mechanics. But training your body in that way also helps for a lot of other things. I was doing some other research and it can also help with running because it allows you to, if you train your body from a a neuromuscular fitness perspective, you train your body to move more efficiently. So then you're able to maintain your form for longer. Um, And so you're then able to push yourself 
for longer and you don't become as fatigued as quickly because you're being more efficient. So anyways, the way I started with the program and you stop working, he's like, whatever you're doing from a workout perspective, stop working out. And so the, the program starts with your, you do these very basic movements, which feel like I'm like, this is, this is not a workout like I, this. And he's like, just trust the process. Like just trust the process. So I'm doing like these really basic things where like, for example, I'll be, I'll be uh, sitting on, I'll be on my knees with like a, a bar, not even a barbell, like a, it could be like a PVC pipe that you see in the gym or like a five pound, like barbell above me and they hold it above me. And all you do for like the first like week or two is you just lift your hip up and like you plant your foot and you lift, put it back down on your knee. Um, does that make sense? So then, um, no, I, I'm trying to yeah, so, envision this. Yeah. So I'm like, you kind of see like I'm on my knees, I'm on my knees with my feet uh, on the ground behind me. And then I'm holding the barbell above my head straight. And then I lift my leg up like this, just okay. set it on the ground. And then, so you do that and you do like 20 times. So 10 on each side. And the whole point of it is to keep the barbell straight. So you're not like going from side to side. And so that's an example. Some other examples How do you feel if are, you do 20 of those? Just seeing that it feels like it actually could be kind of killer. It's not, it's not hard at all. Um, the hardest part is like your shoulders actually start to get fatigued if you do 20. So that's, that's pretty difficult. Um, there, some other things are you'll do like a push up, and then you'll, you'll do a push up, and then you'll, you'll put one hand on your other shoulder and you're having to stabilize your whole body without rotating over or mm -hmm. like it's called an anti-rotational exercise. So you're, you're forcing your body to not rotate because you want to stay as stable as possible. And you hold that for three seconds, put your hand down, do another push up other side and do that like 10 times there. So you, you're doing a lot of these kind of basic movements, um, which aren't really taxing the body, but they are very difficult from a, like a, um, a stability balance and like mobility perspective and some of the exercises they then build on it. So where I'm standing on my knees and I have the barbell head, then in the, the weeks that progress on that, I'll then put my hand, my, my knee up and then I'll rotate the bar over to the, the side that's the standing knee as, and so that you're, then you're adding rotation to there. Um, and you're, tr you're training your body that, Hey, this is how you rotate. This is your, your lower body is stable and your upper body is able to rotate in separation from your lower body, which is what creates a lot of speed in rotational sports. And then like a couple of weeks later, you then come out of that, that seated position and you actually raise up, bring your, bring your knee all the way up. And then you rotate over that while standing and then come down and like place it behind you and then rotate to the other side, which is really, really hard. It's really hard. So you're doing a lot of these types of exercises for about six to seven weeks, I'd say. And then you go into the, the strength phase and you're just building strength. And so you're, you're basically just getting strong. So you're doing your, your very typical eight to 12 reps. Um, 
if, if you want to train for like hyper, hypertrophy, so you're trying to build, build size, or you can go down and if you really just want to focus on strength at all, you then just do like the five to six reps four to four to five, six reps in there. And you can then tailor the, the strength phase to however you want your body. So if you want size, you can train that way. You can train for just pure strength, or you can be kind of somewhere in the middle, or you can train for muscle endurance and go way more reps. So he, he kind of allows you within the program to have some flexibility for what you want to do. So I'm kind of just staying in the like eight to 12 reps range for right now. And then I think later on, I'll probably go down to, to, to less reps. Um, and then what are you using at home um, to get those reps in? You said a resistance band for most of, most of the stuff. Yeah. So we have, a, we have a set of five to six resistance bands. And what's really important is we have a, uh, one of those bands that you wrap around the door and then it clips on the backside. And then on the, the, the side where you're doing the resistance bands, it has these little, um, these little, um, like clips or um, like rings, like metal rings, which mm-hmm. you then either loop the band through or you have, or you clip the band into that and then you pull against it. Do you use those clips to adjust the resistance? Is that what you're saying? Or is that just how you secure the bands to work? That's just, that's just that's the anchor. Okay. So I then need to know, I need to know what those are. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the door band that I, I use is from, uh, that, which is used for the anchor is from crossover. Oh God, crossover symmetry. I can't remember. But, uh, there's, there's some cheaper ones like non-brand name ones on Amazon that I'm sure you can get. I've been seeing so many ads now all over social media on my Twitter and on, uh, on Instagram, I, I get nothing but resistance bands companies and I click on them and they're like, they're all the same band, but like some different little company that's got like seven followers and people are just trying to like resell these and stuff. Um, and I think I'm getting those because I keep searching for them, but I don't really know which ones are like, you know, the best to go with. And I don't want to spend too much money in case this little lockdown doesn't last too long, but. Um, we actually got ours from a white elephant exchange gift exchange, like a year or two ago. And like, they're great. Like, yeah. I don't jokes know, on them. I mean, like, I'll go find the brand, but it's, it's great. I, when Jenna got it, I was like, you need to not let anyone steal that or I'm yeah. going to steal it from you. So like we can, we, we have it. Um, so I was pretty pumped by that. I think it's really important when you buy the bands is that you not only have an anchor for a doorway, which allows you to put a lot more strength into it. So when I'm doing, um, it allows you to just put all, and then, sorry, you want to have the door anchor that you can attach the bands to. And then you want to have, make sure that all the bands have the little like clips on each side. And then you want to make sure that they have, you have at least two handles. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really important because you can do it for like in, for instance, in some of the neuromuscular training that I'm doing, I I'll just do like, it's like a 15 
pound resistance band. So it's like, not, it's literally like nothing almost like 15 pound resistance bands never actually feels like a 15 pound dumbbell or something like that. And so you're doing, um, you're kind of doing some just basic like shoulder um, exercises where you're like pulling them back. Um, and then you're kind of doing uh, anti-rotational. It's just hard because we're, we're on video, but like people can't see who are listening. Um, but then when you go into the strength phase, you are building muscle. And then a couple of weeks into the strength phase, which lasts about, I'd say four to five weeks, you go, you start, he starts bringing in um, throughout that, throughout the strength phase, he starts bringing in other exercises that are, um, oh, Jenna brought it to us. It's the tribe fitness 11 piece resistance band set. I'm sure it's just on Amazon. Um, thanks, Jenna. There's, yeah, thanks. I'm in clutch. <laughs> and so, uh, but then throughout the strength phase, you then work your, you then build in some of those neuromuscular specific tra- training into the strength workouts. Um, so you'll be doing. So you know how I was on. So an example of like a strength training thing that I'm doing that progress from just doing the neuromuscular is I'm on my knees and I have one knee out in front of me. I'm in like uh, just like a kneeling position with one knee in front of me, one knee on the ground, and I'll have the bands on the door to my left, to my left side, and I bring the bands into my chest and then I rotate over my hip, and so. That kind of goes back to the training that I was doing where I had instead of instead I had the bar all over me and I was rotating over my one my one um, leg that was up. I'm now bringing the bands down with a lot of with a lot of resistance on them and the resistance gets harder, obviously, as I go farther away from my body. So that's an example of how the body is building up strength from what I did from the neuromuscular standpoint to the strength phase. And then I'm not to the power phase yet, but the power phase is all about building that explosion. So, so you've built, you've trained your, your, your body and your mind and your muscles and how to connect to each other. Then you build the strength and then you build the power and the power is those explosive movements because you've trained your body, how to move efficiently. You've trained your body and how to be strong. Then you can be fast and quick and powerful. And so hmm. uh, that's the next, that's the next phase that I'm going into. But I, I've even just doing the neuromuscular training just on its own. I've I feel like I'm way, I've been way more athletic, um, just from from that training. Uh, my golf game has definitely gotten better. Unfortunately, we're um, not golfing now, but also was in a basketball league, and like it's actually a pretty sweet basketball league um, at the Washington Athletic Club. They uh, keep track of like your stats and all the stuff and like all of my stats like went up like a good amount. Um, so, so generally uh, you just definitely feel like, more athletic. Or- yeah. And I, I felt like more athletic when I, especially when I was playing basketball, like getting rebounds, like just, I felt like I was able to do things a little bit better, faster, quicker, more efficiently than I was able to, beforehand and a lot of that is almost comes down to like a coordination standpoint like my coordination just felt a lot better i was able to make 
more difficult shots, get more difficult rebounds, like not get bumped off of balance when I'm driving through the lane, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been, it's been a lot of fun and it's been really uh, interesting because I'd never heard of it until I came across this, this Jason class guy. And so now I've kind of dove into um, what he does. And, and he, he had an interesting perspective on a podcast I was listening to that he was on. He's like, Brooks kept, and he trains PGA professionals. And he's like, Brooks Kepka has, who's like a really great golfer, powerful guy. He hits his drives 300 yards plus every time. Uh, absolutely huge and jacked. Um, and he's like, the uh, neuromuscular, like my training program probably wouldn't be the best for him and his body. Um, but for some of my other athletes, like it is a great way to maximize their potential. Um, so uh, obviously it differs for everybody, everybody everybody's body, but I've seen a lot of benefits from it. And I think a lot of people can get a lot of benefits just out of doing the neuromuscular training, not even doing the strength and the power phase, because you just are able to be more efficient in the way that your body moves. Why do you, do you know why he said he thinks maybe Kepka's body wouldn't be ideal for the program or is he talking specifically or generally about someone who's just like bigger, like muscular like that, or is he just giving just examples that it may not work for everyone? I think he was just giving examples. Um, and he was, he was saying that there's, there are multiple ways to, to train the body and not every, there's no one size fit all fit all program for everyone um and he's like hey hey brooks kepka he's like was number one in the world won four or five majors already and only like a significantly less amount of starts than a lot of other people and he's obviously doing great so he should just stick to what he's doing you know um do you like brooks kepka that's a great question he's he's kind of a polarizing figure i yeah I like him and I don't at the same time. I like the fact that he is changing the game of golf from the, I'd say the typical country club golfer and kind of bring some, some realness to it. Whereas sometimes golf is such a, a gentleman sport, which is sometimes what I like about it, but sometimes what I hate about it at the exact same time. And I think yeah. kind of brings a different aspect to it. The sheer mention of, of him on this podcast reminds me of our uh, vast disagreement on a player such as Draymond Green. Because <laughs> I knew you, I knew you were going to say that <laughs> to me. I remember at first th- thinking like, man, who's this young kid? Who's this jacked? He looks like, you know, like your mom. I don't even know. He doesn't look like a golfer, right? He looks almost too big to be a golfer, but then he started talking all this shit. And in a way that's a bit of a departure from the gentleman's game, even like these guys are all competitors and they can, so many of them compete against each other every week. Right. Which we kind of forget about like these guys in a way are like a family that travels the world together you know, they compete, but it's very much a gentleman's game. So you'll hear the fiercest competitors speak very, high, very highly of each other and very respectfully. And there's not really 
there's some gamesmanship, but there's not trash talk. And I feel like he's made a point to, you know, make it known that he's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid of Tiger Woods, but it comes off to me very eh, just distasteful. I don't know if he's yeah. just, he's just a bad trash talker, but he, he, he seems like he's this bully on tour, you know, it's like, Hey man, you've been good for a couple of years, but you're not that good. Like pay Tiger Woods, the respect when you're golfing with him, say you respect golfing with such a guy, you know, it's okay to not be afraid of it. Yeah. There's a lot of people in a lot of different sports who have been at the best of in that sport for a short amount of time. But what defines greatness is sustained excellence over a long period of time. That's the Kobe Bryant's, the Michael Jordan's tiger woods, um, LeBron James, any, I'm just naming Mike Trout. Um, any of those athletes who sustain success, Mariano Rivera, who I still have your Jersey signed Jersey underneath my bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thank you. Uh, by the way, sustain success, sustain success over a long period of time. That is what defines greatness. And I think he's definitely bringing a different element to the game, which I appreciate. Um, it's interesting. It's going to see if he's able to come back from this injury and be able to sustain that success because a lot of that is in the mind, especially in golf is yeah, there can be doubt after injuries. So speaking of coming back, you mentioned uh, golfing better. Do you have metrics already that you're tracking? You know, I'm sure you have an idea of how you're driving the ball and how far you hit the rest of your clubs in general, but you know, before this, before you started this program up until, you know, the shutdown happened and then after, are you going to have a way to kind of measure? Yeah, I have a specific, um, uh, metrics. I use this, what's called Arcos golf. There are these things that like screw onto the bottom of my, onto the top of my club. Right. And they basically, I remember that. yeah, they, they, they track everything and just, everything is getting better. Like my handicap. Um, I wasn't, so it's interesting. My, my, it keeps track of a handicap for me on the app, but it doesn't account for in Washington. You're not allowed to post scores during the winter time, but like I, it keeps track of my scores and keeps track of my handicap. So my actual handicap right now is like official handicap is a 12.5, but in Arcos, it's a 9.4. Um, and that's because it's tracked rounds that like I wasn't able to post during the normal, um, posting like what they call post season here. Yeah, exactly. Like so April 1st, I want to say, yeah. Yeah. You can probably see last, last 10 rounds. It's just going, the graph is just going down, 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 down. Is that just Washington by the way? Or states where uh, there's like inclement weather in the winter. How does that work? Yeah, it's just inclement weather in the winter because you might your ball might plug, you might not find it, you might have to winter rules. You're having to yeah. clean your ball, et cetera, et cetera. So in California, Arizona, Hawaii, I don't think that applies at all. Florida, dude, I'm still hurt that golf is shut down. 
dude, everything is. Um, I was so excited to, well, like when we were in Vegas before we came home and things were like slowly shutting down, but like here and in Nevada, golf had stayed open after all the bars, restaurants and non-essentials had to shut down. And so I was like, this is perfect. Like (laughs) everybody's working remotely. There's nothing else to do. And golf course is like a park. It makes sense that they'd stay open. I was like, I'm going to golf a shit ton. My spirits were crushed. Spirits were crushed. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. I was talking with my dad yesterday and he, his business, my dad, runs a small transportation business and logistics mainly with Alaska for anyone who doesn't know. And he's just like, there's like, it was already kind of slower. Um, Cause my dad does a lot with oil with Alaska and he's like, it's even slower now because oil prices have just completely plummeted. And then now just with everything else, it's just really slow. And he is actually applied for the stimulus package which if they get it will allow him to pay his employees for at their full like 40 hour hourly 40 hour a week rate for like wow. two months those so through april and may even though he is bringing the the employees like hours that they come in like by like 20 to 30 percent just because there's not enough work for them to do and he's also like because his business is, is deemed an essential business. He's also having them like stagger their like start and like end times to like minimize as much contact as possible. But it's, yeah, it's crazy. You said it is deemed essential. Yeah, it is deemed because it's a transportation and logistics kind of like how Evan is a UPS driver delivering all the essential uh, you know, it's been a while since Essential we've done some shout outs. Things to us. Shout out, shout to, out Evan to guys and like Evan else that are front lines. keeping our Amazon Prime deliveries coming to the house. Even though he, I already saw his post the other day telling us to uh, stop ordering non essential uh, items through Amazon Prime. But uh, I met uh, Ken's new girlfriend over a virtual, over a Zoom happy hour on Sunday and she works in a hospital and it's kind of interesting, like coming into contact with people like that, that are still working out in the field. I find myself wanting to thank them. Like you to thank, you know, uh, uh, armed forces veteran, like, Hey, thank you for your service. Yeah, seriously. But seriously, we should, I yeah. actually been thinking I'd, I'd love to have one of those people on the podcast just to, give us their perspective. It'd be interesting to have like a three-way video conference podcast, but I'm sure we can make it work and it'd be interesting to just hear what those people are dealing on the front lines. Cause I think everyone is reading Twitter posts, Facebook posts, the other articles in the news, but I think hearing it, the emotion in their voice would be really insightful. Yeah. It was kind of a, a, a funny moment in our the happy hour the virtual happy hour we had where i eventually i i kind of asked that question i was like hey i'm on i get on my twitter and a couple other you know news resources that i that i use and 
is hysteria and you kind of lose sight of what really to believe. And so I asked her, I was like, how dire is it in your world? She, she's in El Paso. And she's like, it's fucking chaos. Like people legitimately don't have resources. You know, people are working long hours. The stories about nurses and doctors fighting for masks in the hallway is real. It's happening everywhere. Like literally tug, having tug of war matches over a box of masks in the hallway. Um, Holy shit. And then she That's reiterated crazy. the reality that um, in her field, at least, they all do believe that this is very much the beginning. So, you know, there's talks, at least in the state of California, that they think will hit the peak at the end of April. So, you know, um, cases and infections will start going down starting in May. Is four weeks enough to for us to whatever quote flatten the curve? Um, but it's pretty scary to hear from somebody like that who you can trust um, actually say that they all believe that this is the beginning and we're nowhere close to the the end of this. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, it'd be crazy. You, you you should see if she'd be willing to jump on with us for like thirty minutes or something like that. I'm sure she's yeah, exhausted, I mean, but yeah, I'm sure she'd be shed some light. I, I'm sure she'd be down. Maybe we should do a drunk cast with uh, with her and Ken. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. That'd get be a on Zoom. Yeah, yeah, we did a What were you gonna say? I was gonna say how are how are you and me doing? But I've cut you off. Oh no! I was just saying we did a we did a fun one with me and Ken and Walker and Zilstra, uh, J JP. Wait, I don't know. I don't know if JP was on that one. Anyway, it was it was pretty fun, and we like everybody like actually got drunk, which is pretty funny. It was like four and a half hours. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, Max, uh, Max, who obviously you know. He's um, uh, having uh, basically getting married on Saturday, um, um, and we're gonna have a rehearsal dinner tonight, like a virtual rehearsal dinner tonight for for him. I think I don't know if it's gonna actually go through, but we're gonna try it. Wait a minute, Max Meyer. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was already married. No. Engaged, but... Uh, oh, holy shit. Dude, is he going to get on the running challenge? Or is he already? Uh, I told him to. I don't know why he hasn't joined. Good. Thanks for reminding me. I need to bug him. Um, yeah, it's kind of annoying that you can't send invites to non-Nike Run Club members. Yeah, it's a process. It's a whole process. By the way, That's, if you're listening... Join the Nike Run Club app, add Will or Everett as a friend, and we will add you to the challenge. Yeah. 70 miles by May 1st. And to be to be clear, at least this idea first started with the idea of walking or uh running. Yep. 70 miles. So it's not so it's both and it's not one or the other. For those of you who don't <clears throat> like running, but 
Speaking of that, has yeah. have there been any messages on the the rock and roll marathon? I'm assuming it's still scheduled, but I'm sure they're they're I'm sure those folks are thinking about what they're gonna be able to do. I think communication will come in late April about that. Anything you specifically wanted to talk about? I had a couple of I had a couple of things, but wanted to know if you, if you had anything else. I mean, I don't I don't think so. I I I think it's you know, fun to talk about everybody's different perspective on, on what every, you know, what everybody's going through right now and what's happening for, with work. Um, and, and businesses were definitely seeing an impact, but, um, how's read up handling it from an integration perspective? Because you have to have people racking and stacking, right? Yeah, it's a good question. They've actually done something pretty cool where they've, uh, to, to, to create some sort of distancing, they've created two shifts for everybody in the merge center. Um, and obviously, you know, all those people want to continue working. And so they, I guess they all came together and they had a conversation about it and said, you know, would you guys be open to us taking everybody that we typically have working, you know, eight to five every day and splitting them up and doing a morning and like a, or like kind of like an AM and a PM shift so that we're accomplishing the same amount of work, but half the people are in the actual warehouse at any given time. So obviously the spread of germs is, is uh, reduced and everybody said yes to that, right? Nobody wants to lose their hours or, or their job and yeah. we have to keep servicing our customers. So that's how they've addressed that. And it's sounds like it's working. It was a pretty savvy way of trying to establish or maintain some, some normalcy there. Um, but business wise, we're feeling it. And I was, I, I was annoyed that I forgot to ask you if, if you guys are feeling in at, at AWS because, um, we're seeing some projects accelerate because of this, you know, um, I've had a few customers come back and say, Hey, we had to let a handful of people go, but now that, you know, we're not maintaining corporate it for huge offices anymore, we have more bandwidth to do your project or we want to get out of the data center faster now. So we're not having to, you know, deal with any sort of physical touch points. Let's move to the cloud quicker. And then the flip side of that is, you know, some people are slowly, um, you know, struggling to make the transition to remote work. And so some dialogue with customers is totally stalled, you know, so it's, it's running the gamut, but I think there's more of more of the latter where people are having a hard time adjusting and, and, uh, you know, next couple months is going to be catch up. What's it like for you guys at work? I'd say it's exactly what you said. It's some people are basically like, Hey, we got to put everything on pause. Some people are accelerating. Some people are being cautious, moving forward cautiously. I think this is going to push forward a massive digital um, uh, push. I think this is all, I think cloud companies and um, SaaS, SaaS companies are only software as a service companies are only going to come out of this better than than what they were before. It was might not be immediately. It might be twelve months down the road, but I can only think that the 
GCPs, the Azures, the AWSs, and then all the companies that integrate with them, they're only going to see their their business grow if they can if they can survive this however long it is. I think it's only going to accelerate afterwards. Yeah, I think the key word is survival. You know, how many companies have the have the resources and the business pipeline and you know, kind of savvy to to survive what what could be, you know, one, two or three month slowdown. Yeah, it's it's gonna be really interesting. And I think because I was on a playable point and on your unemployment only lasts six months, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that was the maximum that it could take. And there's a chance that this could go on for five more months. We're already a month into it, basically. Yeah. It could go on another five more months. And then at that point, you're um and you're you're trying to find find jobs. And so I think it's gonna be I keep coming back to this entrepreneurial thing where it's gonna drive a lot of individuals and a lot of new businesses are gonna come out of this that will be able to weather storms like this because of the digital movement. Um, I was even just talking with Jenna and I was like, Hey, like there are a ton of parents at home right now who need, who aren't great at teaching their kids. And we've all had the conversation where it's hard to teach loved ones because your patience with them is so thin, their patience with you is so thin. So sometimes it's better to have a third party teach you how to do things. Um, and I was talking about this with my manager. He's like, it's so funny because it's so counterintuitive because you would think that the people who you love the most have the most interest in you learning those skills, yet you have the least amount of patience with those people. Right. It's such an interesting um situation that everyone goes through. Um, but I was saying like, Hey, you should like, there's probably a lot of teachers or a lot of parents out there who would love to just be able to offload their kid for 30 minutes, an hour a day to learn math or to learn reading or et cetera, et cetera. So that, um, those parents aren't having to do that. I mean, I don't know how much you could charge, but whatever, but I'm sure that there's a, a lot of teachers out there doing that right now. And be interesting to know that what that type of market is. So that's a good point, actually. And um, it touches on something we've been discussing here. Um, Mia's um, brother, Mario, is wicked, wicked smart, super funny, super engaging. Um, he does some some teaching at, I can't remember the name of the school, at a community college in uh, Rancho Cucamonga um, and at another school. And like... He's kind of, you know, trying to figure out what to do with his future because you don't get paid a ton and you have to invest a ton of time. Um, and I was looking up uh, tutoring services, you know, because like knowing him kind of being a young, you know, funny guy who's also a professor. I'm like, and if I had to learn something, you know, virtually, I'd want it to be from somebody like that who's like funny you know, and engaging. And I start looking up, um, you know, he knows like art history, he knows American history, all sorts of literature. He's writing his doctorate dissertation on like the socioeconomic impact of the development of Los Angeles. So he's like going through from like, you know, the, you can look up the pictures of like 
LA in 1900, 1910, 1920. And it's just like, you know, you know, uh, 30 buildings, but you're looking at 20 square miles of the city from like, you know, an airplane, there's like nothing. And it's just green and trees and like a couple rivers, lakes. And then it's like more buildings, neighborhoods, and then obviously getting to what it is today. Anyway, he's writing on that. Um, and so I get to looking at, you know, the going rates for like, for educated, um, um, uh, what's the word? Um, I, I just said the word, um, like an, in, like an instructor on any, any sort of, uh, topic, um, people can charge like 75 to like $200 an hour. This is specifically around here, but like you think about a family who lives in West Hollywood that maybe has like a $5 million home and all the other expenses they have. And they think about, Hmm, what would it, what does it cost me per week to distract my kid a little bit and maybe get them to learn a little bit more about American history. They would easily pay $75 an hour or more to do this, you know? And yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, it's really like any, any trainer, who's good at anything. If you're good enough and there's a market, you can make a shit ton of money doing it. Have fun. You can do it on your own schedule. Um, anyway. You, it's, it's funny. You say like all those things and what this guy, Jason glass, going back to the neuromuscular training and the, the training program I'm working on. I, I first got introduced to him from a pod, not like actually introduced, but first learned, heard about him from a podcast. Um, and I then went and checked out his own podcast and his own podcast. Like the first couple of times I listened to it was like, this guy is like a joke. Like he plays like all, he's like just a clown. He's like a clown. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, okay, like just get to the information. But like after a while, you just start to kind of love it because he's extremely entertaining. He's ridiculous, but he also teaches you a lot of information at the same time. And he actually has a word for it. It's called like edumatation. So he's educating you and he's entertaining you at the same time. And, uh, and I think it's those types of people are way more engaging typically than your standard educator who is just presenting you the information because it's so much more engaging. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if you go back to private schools, any of those private schools, those types of kids, are going to in West Hollywood or elsewhere. I mean, I'm sure they're, I don't know what the dollar would come out to but it's probably somewhere in the close of what they're paying for a year of private school as to yeah. what he could charge on an hourly rate. Yeah. The, the amount of money people are, are paying their private schools per month per child is just ungodly. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Which um, is another thing I wanted to ask you and, and makes me curious. I'm curious if private and like charter, charter schools are pausing their uh, payments, you know, like if kids can't go to schools, but then it, it, it floats the question of if parents aren't paying, how do they continue to pay all the staff at the schools? Yeah. But that's as a interesting. parent, you're like, I don't want to pay like some of these Schools are legitimately paying, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month per child. More than that, sometimes, yeah, like five thousand, yeah, yeah, more than that. Like that's like low end. But if your kid can't go to school, um, I it's guess some easy. schools are doing like remote stuff, but some aren't. 
There's a lot of uh, child privacy laws that that are not allowing that. Not allowing remote. Remote like video um, teaching. Is that why Genesis? No schools not doing it. Yeah. Um. Uh. <clears throat> my gym isn't charging us, uh, which is pretty nice. Cause I'm now, you know, paying more than I ever have for a gym. And I remember like a week, maybe a week into this, I was like, wait a minute, are they going to charge me even though I can't go to the gym? Like, I hope they're still paying their employees. Um, we got an email that, um, they're not, they're not charging us and they are paying their employees at least for a certain period of time. So shout out to Equinox. So what's, what's your gym doing? So the Washington Athletic Club is kind of an interesting situation because it's a it's like a social membership and it's like a it's like a club actually like you have to apply for it and you have to be accepted you have to have sponsors, um, and then there's the fitness aspect on top of that. So I actually pay for like that base just to be a member of the club on an annual basis, which allows me to go to all the events, be a member of like clubs. They have like a wine club. They have triathlon clubs they have golf clubs they have all like public speaking clubs they have all these types of clubs that you can be members of and events that they put on etc etc so that's kind of the base fee and then i pay for um being a a member of the athletic which gives me access to the um gym aspect of it so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a two-part membership and i don't have to pay I basically paused our payments to the gym, but I still have to pay the monthly being a member of the club, which sucks, but at least I'm not paying. Um, With Jen and I, it's probably like 130 bucks that we're saving 140 bucks that we're saving by not having to pay for the gym aspect. So is it like, is it almost like half and half social club versus access to the gym? Yeah, the social the social aspect is actually more expensive than the gym aspect. Mm. I'm not sure why, but it just is. Did, where, was was there some messaging around that, like why you have to continue to pay for that the social aspect when you can't access any of it? I think it's because there, outside of like a, your normal gym, there are a lot more individuals and it's like a, it's like its own building not completely own building but it's like 26 floors or something like that there's a hotel that's a part of it there's a couple of different restaurants etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, i'm sure they're using some of that to pay the staff you know yeah there and there is a, and so what jen and i were talking about was like do we keep paying the gym do we just oh, like, Hey, just keep charging us for the fitness, et cetera. Like we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll count it as our contribution to helping our community. But there's a separate, and I sent an email to the person. I was like, Hey, like what would those fees be going towards? And so she's like, I, and I asked, I was like, Hey, are those going to be paying their employees? And she's like, I, I, I honestly can't tell you that. Um, but there is a separate relief fund employee relief fund that you can contribute to. So Jen and I are going to, we, what well, we did, cut the, the 
the athletic aspect of it. And we're going to contribute to the like employee relief fund because that's going to specific people that we know and interact with that are now don't have a job Hmm. that will be helping them out. So it's a way of giving back to people in our community that we know and respect. And I've actually like built relationships with a lot of the people. Sure. Like, Like, like I come in on a Tuesday um, and Phil will be like, Hey, like game game tonight. And I'll be like, yeah, you know it, you know, it's like, it's, it's really yeah, fun. Think about that guy. So, um, yeah, that's what we're doing there. So what else did you have on your list for today? On the business aspect, I heard a really interesting idea about paying for your attention. So people, and this is uh, an author talking about how I will pay you. So you, let's just say a book costs $5. You pay $5 to read my book. If you finish the book, I will pay you $6, but you have to finish the book. And I guess there's ways to do that on Kindle and stuff like that. I'm sure people could gamify it, but his whole theory on that was, and the discussion that they had was the amount that people are willing to be paid for their attention is roughly $3 an hour. So basically you can like you or I will go out and we'll consume content and we'll be, we'll take in ads and all that stuff. And we're only, we're basically doing that all for, for free. Um, and he was like, I, to get my ideas across and to spread my ideas, I'd be willing to pay people to fully consume my ideas to get your attention. I'm basically paying for your attention because attention is such an, um, um, a restraint resource nowadays with our attention going this way and that. And, basically not being able to sustain attention for a long period of time that he's like, I'll pay for, I'll pay for it so that you can consume all of my content, all of my book, all of my podcast, whatever it was, because I want you to get the full idea. And, and he's like, and his thing was like, I, people don't make that much money on books, book sales. You make money on speaking engagements and consulting and et cetera, et cetera, outside of, your books, your books are a means to those other revenues streams. I just thought that was a really interesting idea. Who's the, who's the guy? Came up with this concept. It was on the A16Z podcast. It was, Mm. um, let me find it real quick. It was super, it was just like a, whoa, that's a different idea. I've never heard of that. I'm surprised. I mean, the concept makes sense, but I'm surprised he'd be paying more money back. You know, it's like it would make more sense to me if you paid, you know, $10 for a a book, ebook or audio book. And, you know, whether it be on audio or on your Kindle, um, you know, maybe you, he pays you 50% in return for the potential social impact of you f- completing the book. So this was from, it was, uh, 
the host of uh, A16Z, which I think is Sonal Chokski. I cannot pronounce her name, but it's Kevin Kelly is the, the guest who is the guy who came up with the idea of 1000 true fans. So basically right, the idea. Yeah. That I thought I remember that. Better name. To, it's better to have 1000 extremely loyal and dedicated fans of your product content, et cetera, than it is to have a hundred thousand people who don't really give a shit about your product or your idea because those 1000 really loyal fans will then go and spread your ideas for you and they'll go and spread your content for you. They'll be those, those customer references that are extremely valuable. And uh, so yeah, he was that one was, who came up with that idea. I think listening to him was part of the reason we came up with our initial um, goal in our first year of trying to earn, I think, 100 interactions yeah. um, in response to our podcast, whether that's, you know, in person, text, uh, a, a comment, an email. Um, I think that's where that concept initially came from. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause that makes a lot of sense. It's like a, a true fit. It, it's like having, you know, we, we've been talking about this in a weird way. This maps back to business in, in like the power of like the word of mouth or like a true fan or follower or customer, um, you know, having Google's uh, next cloud conference, in San Francisco canceled was such a huge hit to us because one of the most powerful things you can have is to is like a prospect standing next to a happy customer. It's like, there's no better seller than someone who's already experienced something. Um, you've proven to them that, you know, you're worth their money. They get around a prospect, they go and sell for you without you having to do anything. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. you know, uh, the power of, of, face-to-face business or like, you know, happy hour events like that. But, um, yeah, it's kind of the same, it's kind of the same thing. That's what those things are all, all built around. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I remember, um, any of those round tables that we used to set up with Mark Williams, uh, where he basically just bring in clients and then like current clients and then prospects and basically just get them talking and they'll just start re- heaping the, the, the praise, the clients will start heaping the praise on you as the company. And you're just like, Hey, like, I'm not, I'm not selling you anything. This is like my clients selling you. <laughs> right. Right. The result of that conversation is somebody coming over to you and saying, Hey, I was talking to ABC customer of yours over there. They said, you did this, this, and this, can you do all that for us? <laughs> like, that's the yeah, best. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so there's like there was that on the paying for your attention idea, which I think is is really interesting. And I think that's going to be a way that content creators potentially in the not too distant future keep us engaged with them. Um it's a, just an interesting idea. There's one thing else that I want to um mention about is uh um did you listen to the the steven dub the steven dubner or stefan dubner and joe rogan podcast no um, like probably a month ago 
I mm. h- highly recommend everyone go and listen to it. Stephen Dubner is the one who does the, oh my God, how am I forgetting it? It's the um, Freakonomics. He runs the Freakonomics podcast, which has been um, really well-known podcast, really big podcast, um, where they basically just examine ideas um, from a uh, uh, an economical perspective, whether that be money, behavioral economics, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And it was the most... It was probably one of the best discussions I've ever listened to of two people having differing ideas on a broad range of topics and civil discourse of disagreeing with each other. And then at first, and then throughout the conversation, being like, Oh, you know what? I think you're right. Instead of just, just staying on with their own idea and being like, no, this is my idea. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. It was like two people coming together, having a real conversation, talking it through, giving their own points and being open to the idea that, Hey, maybe my idea wasn't right. Or maybe there is a different way to do this. And I just think everyone should go and listen to it. And like, Hey, if you're going to have a, a, a conversation with someone who doesn't share your same opinions, like that is a way to have it because they disagree throughout the podcast, but they also do it in a very civil way. And some of them actually change their, their ideas and the way that they think about some things. And it was just really, it was just a really interesting conversation to listen to some for the content. I can't really remember too much about the content, but just mm-hmm. the way that they held a conversation was just so impressive um, for the both of them. And obviously they're both really well, um, they're very successful um, interviewers and podcasters. So everyone, I think, can learn from that one. I think that's one of my, you know, favorite things about Joe Rogan. <clears throat> it almost felt it felt like one of the the first reasons I I fell in love with the podcast is you'd see him with you know a multitude of guests. They'd they'd say some crazy shit. And I was so attracted to this response that was so different. Usually when you know people hear something crazy, like their response is to call it crazy or to be dismissive. And he would often go, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And like, yeah, ask questions and show interest in how they like he'd give credit to or he'd give people the benefit of the doubt that there's some rational reason that you arrived at your opinion that's different from mine. So let's talk about that. And then maybe that'll have an impact on the way I look at something. And that that type of honest, open discourse is like you know, can be used everywhere. Obviously that's, that's used in business, but in like, in all relationships, it's like necessary, but so easy for it to be missing. Yeah. I think they say, uh, there's the, there's the, the saying that you are the average of the, your five of your five, uh, closest people that you spend the most time with. And I'm not saying I spend the most time with Joe Rogan, but uh, um, <laughs> you kind of do though. I kind of spend a lot of time listening to him um, and kind of adopting the way that he talks and some of his strategies. And I've noticed that when I when I I've noticed in myself that I am able to 
have conversations with people that and and be able to openly take my ideas when I'm like, Oh, I never thought about that way. Or that's a good point, et cetera. And, and basically just not to be so focused on my idea and not, and not even be listening to what the other person is saying and just be thinking about what I'm going to say next about my idea. I think right. listening to him continuously and everything you, you said and everything and the way that he just is able to listen Taken the information and then respond um, with an open mind and make points. If he if he thinks if he has strong points and he 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 definitely makes them and, and he isn't afraid to back up the points that he believes in. But I think it's really helped a lot in just being able to have good conversations, being open to different ideas. So it's kind we of always, interesting. We always kind of used to say the same thing about Mark Williams. You know, he's one of those guys who, if you're having a conversation with, if you maybe get into something, you know, deep, you'll see him think about what you just said before he responds to you. And like, when you, when you see someone take that half second pause, it's funny how it almost feels unnatural. You're like, what? There's like this moment of silence, but then you, you like come to respect, you come to respect that, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And do it um, yourself. Yeah. So everyone should definitely go listen to that podcast though. It's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I'm going to go listen. I'm going to, I'll maybe listen to that on, on my run today. If I can figure out how to get my fucking runs to track. Yeah. How's your haircut looking? It's, it's coming in. Okay. It's not bad. Um, yeah. I have a bit of a janky setup in here. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it looks, it looks, it definitely looks better than it did. Last I mean, week. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it, it, it's like I had to sacrifice like four days of, of embarrassment to get to a point where like now it kind of looks fine, but, mm-hmm. uh, it was so long. It was so long and obnoxious. And I kind of go crazy when it's like coming down around my ears and like sticking out on the sides and stuff. And yeah, sure enough, we went on another run the other day and that same guy's in there fucking cutting hair no still way. open and he even has his neon open sign illuminated dude he's it's only a matter of time until he gets fucking the hammer brought down on him they actually I mean, set up I a really call know. line in washington that you can call people in like if you're like hey they're doing a social distance they're not following social distancing and you see like a group of like 10 people or more you can like call them in <laughs> And same with businesses. It's, it's mainly for businesses, but you can also do it for people. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember seeing that. I remember somebody on Twitter talking about Los Angeles because I'll, I'll randomly search about you know coronavirus tweets in certain cities. I'll like look at Seattle and in Vegas and here, and someone was like, "Who can I call if I've seen a gym that's open?" And I was like, "What fucking gym is open around here, man?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and when I was getting my haircut, actually, um, there was a, there happened to be a cop sitting at the intersection and like, I could see it in the reflection of the mirror that I was looking into. So that cop very easily could have looked in, looked over and seen this haircut being given. And I was wondering like, how funny would it be if I'm in there getting a haircut and like some cops come in and I'm like, Hey, can I at least finish the haircut before you shut this guy down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just give me a couple seconds. 
that'd be yeah. great. Um, yeah. Awesome. You look well, nice little fade going right here. Yeah, I cut my hair. That's pretty clean. Dude, you ago. should absolutely make a uh next time you should have Jenna help you and make a video of how to cut your own hair. I, there's tons of videos out there. I've 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 looked at them a bunch of times, but A it would be something for you guys to do. I'm sure it'd be kind of fun to do it. Um, but B if you looked around at a bunch of the videos and figured out how to make it good, it could be one of those videos that you kind of make for fun now, but in like five years, it's got like millions of views. Uh, I should have waited because my hair was pretty long, like on the sides too. But if we're in quarantine for a lot longer, I'll, I'll for sure do it. My boss actually was like, did you get a haircut on my one-on-one -on -one yesterday with him? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. He was like, wow, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, it's like it everyone else. Good. Like, how, how do you do the back? I'm like, I don't really know how I do the back. I kind of like use a mirror, two mirrors, hold a mirror. Kind of. Do you have Jenna help you at the end of it in in the back to make sure it looks okay? Sometimes, be, but usually, usually not. Usually not because so if you have like the so you have like the big I do it in the bathroom so you have like the big mirror and the easiest way to do it is you have the big mirror which you normally look at you then turn around so you're back to the big mirror. And you're holding like a, a handheld mirror. Oh, I can't hear right. anymore. And you're having a holding a handheld mirror and you're just looking in that. And it's a lot easier to do it that way. Yeah. And then huh. you vacuum at the end because it's a mess, but <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll try it next time. Yeah. I think I need to get a new set of clippers though. I recommend, uh, so I used to have the shitty like $25, like wall W A H L clippers. Um, I got for Christmas, I think two years ago, a year and a half ago, the wall professional hair cutters. They're like a hundred dollars. They're mm. cord, they, they charge. So then they become cordless the mm. charge holds for like three hours or something like that. So you can do like multiple hair, um, cut your hair Does it have times. an adjustable blade on it? You yeah. Can like, it, it goes up and down. And then you put guards, guards on, on it as top. well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. I a, think I heard about that. Show notes. Show yeah. It's, it's going to be the most, it, it, the most random show notes ever. It's going to have exercise bands by tribe fitness and uh wall professional clippers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we love about the life lab life lab podcast. It's, it's wide ranging topics. Yeah. Hey, have you noticed in this, I know we're coming up on time here. Do you need to go? Need to run I can go for a couple more minutes. Um, you know, it's been funny about doing our calls, but also, uh, a couple of the other happy hours is, you know, for me, I've been doing these with people that I wouldn't see anyway, you know, just because I just moved down here and it makes you realize like, I don't know if we already talked about this, but like, kind of like, wow, it took a pandemic for people to realize that it's kind of fun to do video calls or even just phone calls with their friends that they don't see on yeah. a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, so I was telling, yeah, I was telling this to Kurt. I was like, I kind of want one of those like massive, like Cisco, like legit, uh, video things like in my house that I can just like be chilling, maybe having dinner 
and do like a virtual like dinner party with someone or like yeah. two other couples and we just all have like that super dope setup because sometimes it's just a, honestly just kind of like a lot of work to like go over make the dish bring it over reheat it you know whatever but it'd be kind of just fun to like do that with you and mia or and but have like the nice camera and have like a big tv that we can all see each other on Obviously, dude i've seen people do viewing parties with a camera you'll put a camera up and hit play at the same or try to hit play at the same exact time on a movie like on netflix or whatever yeah and then you're just like you know it's kind of like you're watching a movie with friends that sounds kind of fun that does sound fun we're watching <laughs> uh we're going through breaking bad right now so we're we started like the first three seasons and we we stopped for like two years and we just finished season four last night we watched like five episodes in a row and uh, we were like, wow, I, like that seemed like a great. I don't know if you've seen it, but I, I was like the end of season four seemed like a great time to end this end the show. It just seemed like a perfect ending. But uh, so we're going to start season five, I think, tonight. Are you okay. watching anything? No, we haven't. We've we've watched a couple of comedy specials. We just watched Sarah Silverman's latest one and then tom segura's and both of those are pretty good um did you like tom segura's the one on netflix um you know john and i watched it like two nights ago and we thought it was very meh it was kind of meh but you know we were i think we were kind of in a silly mood and it was a timing thing and it was just like funny enough to watch and because we were so bored it's like we had been sitting around like you know, probably similar, similar to you guys. Like we don't have the TV on all day. It's like usually not till like after dinner that we're like, should we watch something? And then it's like, you know, we've watched most everything. And so I know him obviously from Joe Rogan's podcast and kind of like him from that. So we, we gave it a shot. Um, it was pretty good, but, um, we're think you know, we keep hearing about Ozark so much that like we're considering it, but it's almost like because we've heard so much about it, the huge uh, Beverly Grove um, um, digital billboard that we can see from our rooftop has a fucking Ozark ad on it all the time. So we were doing our workout yesterday. We kept seeing it. And we were like, fuck Ozark. We see too much advertising about it. So now we don't even want to watch it. But um, we've been thinking about watching that one. Have you guys watched that at all? We started season one, got about halfway through, and then we stopped watching. I've so heard that good. people, I've heard that people like the first season is pretty good. And then halfway through or like a quarter of the way into the season two, it starts like it's kind of slow. And then you need to kind of just push through. And then the end of season two is pretty good. Apparently they set up season three like really well. So mm. Well, yeah. I, like, I like the start of it, but I, I just, I think that I can't remember how many episodes there are per season, but if it gets over like 10 to 12 episodes per season, I have a hard time sticking to it. Like, Yeah. It takes a lot for us to really buckle down and want to watch something that much, you know, it's like, we just don't love TV that much. We finally got our puzzles in the mail and those have been so fun. We just like sit there in silence, maybe with some like jazz on just staring and like, you almost like can't stop until you get the puzzle done, you know? Yeah. But I think it'd be, I think we talked about this last time, but I want to try and do like, um, some virtual like board games with people. Yeah. Yeah. We would do that. Have you used that app called house party? 
Is that like the Jackbox? Jackbox? Oh no, we played uh, Jackbox a bunch with our friends. Oh god. Nice. Nice nice muting your sneeze. That was that was clutch. Did I oh I wasn't sure if I actually got it. Oh it came yeah, on you so got fast. It. You got it. Got the COVID. Uh yeah, well maybe we should do that one of these days. Have a little uh board game happy hour. Yeah, that'd be fun. Those are uh, ironically go, pretty fun to do. I need to go raid my parents' house of all their board games because my dad is definitely not playing those by himself. <laughs> Let's hope not. That'd be weird. Uh, sets up sets up like four different players for Monopoly. He plays against himself. You like That's, get home. That, that'll be like that'll be like stuff. month three or four in the quarantine if we're still there. Yeah. Hey, I was playing yeah. ping pong tabletop ping pong by myself yesterday, using the back of my laptop as a returner. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They closed on the tennis courts here, but uh we went for a walk on Sunday and saw a guy just hitting just banging balls against one of the like tennis court walls, just getting reps in. Did you see Federer's video that kind of went viral? No, I need to go look it up. On his yeah. it may not may not be there anymore, but I think it was on his story. He's, you know. I don't know if he lives in Switzerland, right? I know he's Swiss, but um, he was at this beautiful place. Um, you know, one of those walls with like the painted on net and he's like hitting, it's snowing and it's like sunset. So it's like this oddly beautiful background um, and he's in sweats and he like turns to the camera and then like turns around and just, I think he, his first hit, he hits through his legs like backwards at the wall and then does like three in a row behind the back hits like the same spot. It comes right back to him and like hits a bunch of these like <clears throat> super sick shots <clears throat> and then hits like a really hard one at, at the end. And I was, it made me want to get out and try that. It wouldn't look half as good, but you should check out that video, man. I'll definitely need to look that up. She's gone. Yeah. Maybe I'll send She's it to man. you if I can find it. Yeah. All right. I got to run. Um, next week. We'll uh we'll lock down a time, but uh, we talk. With yeah, you. maybe uh, we'll discuss ideas offline for for next week. But love you, man. Thank you for All tuning right, in, you, man. Safe, safe. Peace, everyone. Life lab. We out. Stay safe, we everyone. Out.